I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to examine the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Later in the show, we're going to be talking with Steve Carlin, Director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life, uh, which is a uh, biannual event, happens worldwide, uh, that is Christians gathering together for a period of 40 days of prayer and fasting, peaceful vigil, and community outreach in an effort to bring an end to abortion, something that I have been a part of for the last, I think, uh, last four years. Uh, I've been the director of it here in my own area, uh, but it, you don't have to be in Tulsa, where I am, in order to participate. Uh, they have cities across the, the world uh, where people gather together for this cause. And it's something that I want to recommend to you, uh, and we'll learn more about that in the second and third segments. We'll also be giving away a book that tells some of the amazing stories that have come out of the 40 Days for Life campaign. Uh, so stick around. Uh, it's going to be a great show. As always, we're going to start off with prayer. Let us all praise Christ. In order to become our faithful and merciful high priest before the Father's throne, he chose to become one of us, a brother in all things. In prayer, we ask of him, Lord, share with us the treasure of your love. Son of justice, you filled us with light at our baptism. We offer this day to you. Lord, share with us the treasure of your love. At every hour of the day, we give you glory. In all our deeds, we offer you praise. Lord, share with us the treasure of your love. Mary, your mother, was obedient to your word. Direct our lives in accordance with that word. Lord, share with us the treasure of your love. Our lives are surrounded with passing things. Set our hearts on the things of heaven, so that through faith, hope, and charity, we may come to enjoy the vision of your glory. Lord, share with us the treasure of your love. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, free us from the dark night of death. Let the light of resurrection dawn within our hearts to bring us to the radiance of eternal life. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today we're going to take our readings from this coming Monday. Now, if you want to hear today's readings, then I encourage you, uh, go to a couple of places. You can go to um, ibreviary.com if you've got that uh, the iBreviary app on your phone. You can also find the readings there for the day. Or go to the USCCB website, usccb.org, and they have all the readings for the whole year listed out there. So I encourage you take the five minutes it'll take. Go over and read those readings. But for the purposes of the show and where we wanted to take it today, uh, the readings for Monday just fit a lot better. So for the purposes of today's show, we're going to read the readings from Monday, June 8th. 
Our first reading comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the holy ones throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all encouragement, who encourages us in our every affliction, so that we may be able to encourage those who are in any affliction with the encouragement with which we ourselves are encouraged by God. For as Christ's sufferings overflow to us, so through Christ does our encouragement also overflow. If we are afflicted, it is for your encouragement and salvation. If we are encouraged, it is for your encouragement, which enables you to endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is firm, for we know that as you share in these sufferings, you also share in the encouragement. That reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 34. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be ever in my mouth. Let my soul glory in the Lord. The lowly will hear me and be glad. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us together extol his name. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Look to him that you may be radiant with joy, and your faces may not blush with shame. When the poor one called out, the Lord heard, and from all his distress he saved him. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste and see how good the Lord is. Blessed the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. The gospel that we're reading today comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Thus they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. I really want you to hold these readings in your mind, including the prayer, 
as we go into our conversation with Steve Carlin in the next segment, because they really resonate with what it is we're going to be talking about. In the prayer we heard, uh, Lord, free us from the dark night of death and let us see the light of resurrection. Uh, and, and so often when we are dealing with the darkness of our own culture, it can be very easy to try and rely on our own lights, uh, to, to try and light a candle, to try and somehow create a spark. Uh, and very often it ends up in a destructive kind of fire uh, and not this, this dawn like the sun. Uh, you know, we, we light our fires and maybe catch other things on fire that don't need to be caught. Uh, rather than the sun, which illuminates and gives life, uh, we bring out our, our torches, which can sometimes do damage. Uh, and then also, in our reading in the Beatitudes, Christ is calling the people who are listening to him, he's calling them to some extraordinary things, uh, to, to be a peacemaker uh, in the midst of uh, a world that was not at peace. To be, uh, to be merciful, to be meek when might made right, which is very much kind of the world we live in today. And I was really struck by his statement halfway through the Beatitudes where he says, Blessed uh, are those who are of clean of heart, for they will see God. It was a very common belief that no one could look at God and live. And of course, Christ being the incarnation of God is changing the way that God related to man. And made a way for us again to be in relationship with God. And so think about those. Blessed are the, the peacemakers. Blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the merciful. Uh, remember these things as we go into our conversation in the next segment. Today's reading from church history comes from St. Ambrose, and it's from a treatise on the letter to the Philippians. Dear brethren, God's love is calling us to the joys of eternal happiness for the salvation of our souls. You have listened to the reading from the Apostle in which he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. The joys of this world lead to eternal misery, but the joys that are according to the Lord's will bring those who persevere in them to joys that are enduring and everlasting. The apostle therefore says, again I say, rejoice. He urges us to find ever-increasing joy in God and in keeping his commandments. The more we try in this world to give ourselves completely to God our Lord by obeying his commands, the greater will be our happiness in the life to come, and the greater the glory that will be ours in the presence of God. Let your moderation be known to all men, that is to say, your holiness of life must be evident, not only in the sight of God, but also in the sight of men. It must give an example of moderation and self-control to all your contemporaries on earth, and serve also as a memorial of goodness before God and men. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety. The Lord is always near to all who call upon his help with sincerity, true faith, sure hope, and perfect love. He knows what you need, even before you ask him. He is always ready to come to the aid of his faithful servants in every need. There is no reason for us to be in a state of great anxiety when evils threaten. We must remember that God is very near us as our protector. The Lord is at hand for those who are troubled in heart. He will save those who are downcast in spirit. The tribulations of the just are many, and the Lord will rescue them from them all. 
If we do our best to obey and keep his commandments, he does not delay in giving us what he has promised. But in every prayer and entreaty, let your petitions be made known to God with thanksgiving. In time of trouble, we must not grumble or be downhearted. God forbid, we must rather be patient and cheerful, giving thanks to God always in everything. That reading is from a treatise on the letter to the Philippians by St. Ambrose. And of course, he's referencing there Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And we see, Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all, for the Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What I find very interesting about this passage in Philippians is that it is in the form of a command. Uh, If you are used to grammar, which I am a a grammarian, kind of a a nerd that way, uh, we recognize that this is not a statement. This is an imperative. Uh, You, that's the understood subject. You, rejoice in the Lord always. This is uh, an instruction to us and a command. And so then he says, you have no anxiety at all. And how often do we find ourselves worried about things that we have no control over? Uh, and so I recall this scripture. The scripture comes to mind when I find myself anxious. And I have to ask, well, what's the appropriate response to that anxiety? And he says this, In everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And then the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so I give those things up to God. I let him know what I need, and then I trust in his hand. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Steve Carlin, the director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life. And we're going to be giving away a copy of the 40 Days for Life book. You're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking with Steve Carlin. He's the director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life. Uh, It is a uh, a nationwide, actually worldwide program uh, of 40 days of prayer, fasting, community outreach, and peaceful vigil, all directed towards praying for an end to abortion. They've been around for some time and Uh, We're glad to have Steve on the show with us today. Steve, thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Timothy, for having me. And 40 Days for Life has been around for some time. You've been with them for about three years now, is that right? Just about three years, that's right. And you live up in the Great White North, where uh, as we are are approaching in in the middle of the country, as we're approaching the summer, uh, you're just about to get to spring, right? 
That's right. I woke up this morning. It was about 42 degrees, so I am hoping that warmer days are just around the corner. <laughs> uh, well, we are glad to have you here. So um, let's talk a little bit about 40 Days for Life. Uh, it's, you know, protesting against abortion is nothing new. It's been around since uh, Roe v. Wade was passed back in 1972. Uh, and yet 40 Days for Life is is different. So tell us just briefly about the origins of 40 Days for Life. Well, in the late 90s, Planned Parenthood opened up an abortion center in Bryan College Station, Texas, and local pro-lifers came together to try to oppose that center and to rid their community of abortion. And over the next few years, they had certainly seen a number of successes, but they also weren't satisfied with their failure to completely end abortion in their community. Mm -hmm. And so having tried everything else, they did what they perhaps should have done all along, which is take the matter to prayer. And four of the leaders of the organization, the Coalition for Life and College Station in Bryan, Texas, spent an hour in prayer around an old wooden table, and they asked the Lord simply how he would have them end abortion in their community. And it was during that hour of prayer where they felt the Lord place two things on their hearts. The first thing was this time period of 40 days, where we see the Lord over and over again use this time period of 40 days to both test and to transform his people. And so these four individuals said, yes, we're willing to be put to the test for 40 days if it helps bring about an end to abortion. And we recognize that our community is seriously in need of uh, transformation. And so they decided they would lead some sort of 40-day campaign. Well, what would they do during those 40 days? The answer to that question is the second thing that the Lord placed on their hearts. And that was a 40-day campaign of prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting being some of the bedrocks of all that we do as people of faith, community outreach, educating the public on the tragic reality and crisis of abortion in our communities, and uh, peaceful vigil, praying all day, every day, for 40 straight days in front of the abortion center. Now, this is a one-time campaign. It was a tremendous undertaking, and nobody ever thought it would take place again. But the folks in Bryan College Station saw tremendous success, the abortion rate dropping significantly. They continued to lead these campaigns. And one by one, cities across the United States, Green Bay, Wisconsin, up in my neck of the woods, Charlotte, North Carolina, different communities started to lead these campaigns on their own. And that led to 2007, where the first ever nationally coordinated 40 Days for Life campaign took place in 89 cities in 33 states across our nation. Since then, it has just gone around the world, and we have seen campaigns in, in every different corner of the globe. Yeah, we were a part of the second or third campaign that you did. We started in 2008 here in the Tulsa area. Uh, but if if you out there, if you are not in the Tulsa area, have no fear, because 40 Days for Life is present all across the globe, and you can find a campaign that's nearby to where you are. Uh, we'll tell you here in a bit how to do that. Now, what I'm struck by with the, those four leaders who gathered around the table and, and asked in prayer, God, what will you have us do? And then the success that followed uh, is how often we neglect that step. Uh, you know, I'm even reminded in Scripture and in the, in the story of, uh, of Abraham that he knew what needed to be done. He needed an heir, and God had promised an heir. Uh, and so he went about accomplishing that in his own way. And the results of that reverberate all the way to the present day, where in the news we still see stories of Ishmael and Isaac fighting. 
you know, whenever we go outside of, when we try to get what God has promised in a way that God wouldn't do it, we end up with, uh, with unintended results that have lasting consequences. And so I'm just struck at how 40 days for life has started with prayer and then uh, to see the hand of God bring about what he promised. Well, you know, our founder, David B. Ray, has remarked that for a while he gave lip service to prayer. And he thought, you know, if we can get the right guys elected into office, maybe we can end abortion. If we can come up with the right messaging or the right billboards, we can end abortion. If we've got the right strategy, we can end abortion. And it was that hour of prayer that really turned that on its head, where there was a real recognition made that prayer has to come first. And those other arenas, I think, are the fruits of that prayer. So when we see success in other areas of the pro-life movement, you know, legislation and politics are important. Good messaging is important. All of those things are important. But we have to prioritize prayer and let the Lord set all of those other areas in the order that he wants them to follow. I mean, there's just scripture after scripture that points to that. I mean, we start off in, in uh, I think, Second Chronicles, where it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and then turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will heal, heal their land. Uh, in the Psalms, you see, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So all of our mechanisms of trying to bring something about, whether it be politically or whether it be through good marketing, uh, if, if we haven't started that in prayer and seeking, and then not only praying that God would bless our endeavors, but asking God which endeavors he wants us to be involved in, uh, then we do those things in vain. So that's absolutely right. And I think that through prayer, we find people using 40 days for life as an entry point into the pro-life movement. They get involved with 40 days for life and they stay involved with 40 days for life. But some of them are called to get involved in the legislative process. In addition to 40 days, some of them are called to get involved in, or even to start pregnancy centers. And we see the Lord just being completely dynamic. We see the yeah, the trees that bear 30 or 60 or 100-fold fruits through the prioritization of prayer. Right. You know, we've got some people here in my own area who, after a 40 Days for Life, they went out and bought a, a, a motorhome and put an ultrasound in it and started a mobile clinic, uh, providing free ultrasounds not only in front of the abortion facility, but all over the city in low-income areas. It's exciting to see that happen more and more. I know I visited Tulsa and, and spent some time with you back in the fall and had the opportunity to see the setup that you have. And all the time as I travel around to 40 Days for Life campaigns across the United States, I see just very interesting and unique fruits that come out of people's involvement in the campaign. And certainly pregnancy centers, the mobile ultrasound units, those are some of the most exciting, absolutely. So let's talk about some of the fruit of 40 Days for Life, because as they say, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, what, what, is, what are the, the results that you have seen through all of the campaigns worldwide? Uh, what's been the result of that prayer? Well, we have been blessed to see, uh, we celebrated actually this past campaign in, in the spring in Lent, we celebrated the 10,000th confirmed life saved through 40 days for life. That total now stands at 10,331. And I emphasize that those are just the ones that we know about. Those are the lives saved where there was some tangible evidence of it. 
Uh, oftentimes the mother coming out and thanking the prayer volunteers, saying, thank you for being here. If it weren't for you, I was going to have an abortion. Uh, so 10,331 times that we know of, but we don't know how many times a woman has been in her car on the way to an abortion, seen the people praying, stayed in the car, never slowed the car down, and saved her baby as a result and, and never come out to tell anybody. We think that happens frequently because every campaign that seems we get stories of people who approach the vigil site with a two-year-old or a three-year-old and say, thanks to you, my son, my daughter is, is alive and well today. So we think there are probably many more saved lives, but more than 10,000 that we know of that just kind of provide us with that consolation and an encouragement to keep, out, keep on praying and going out even when we wonder if it's efficacious. We know that it is because we've got some of those numbers. We've also seen 118 abortion workers have conversions and leave their jobs in the abortion industry. I think that's fantastic. You know, yeah. so often we hear about abortion and it's a polarizing issue and it's one side versus another side. And you start to think that, gosh, you know, nobody's ever going to come to agreement on this issue. Well, that is uh, that's the way the media like to play it up. But in reality, uh, there's a much finer line in between pro-life and pro choice, self-described, as we might say. I think there are many people who, who want to do good, they want to do well, and it's upon encountering God's mercy out at the abortion facility that they first come to an appreciation and a respect for human life. So 118 times we've seen workers leave their jobs, and we've now seen 60 abortion centers close their doors and go out of business once and for all following a campaign. That's one of our big goals. We like to see the supply of abortion facilities drop because when there are fewer abortion facilities, the supplies lower, we see the demand for abortion go down. And when the demand goes down, the number of abortion centers continues to drop and you kind of catch the abortion industry in a spiral. And we want to make sure that that spiral into an abortion-free world uh, accelerates. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time here. Uh, what's some of the interaction that you have seen not just in, in saving the life of the child, but what's some of the interaction that you have seen with the mothers who choose life? What's sometimes fascinating to me is how many women, for all the talk about being pro-choice, how, how many of the women are going for abortions because they feel they have no choice. Mm -hmm. And the presence of someone out praying in front of the abortion center is an opportunity to tell her she does have a choice. Communities uh, usually have more pregnancy centers than they do abortion facilities. The amount of help and resources and love that is available to women in a crisis situation is tremendous. And just the opportunity to share that with them is very powerful. Many of them are going for abortions because they have a family or a support structure that has fallen apart. It has collapsed and they are going to have an abortion uh, out of desperation. And they're absolutely stunned by the fact that complete strangers are willing to give of themselves to serve and to care for them when there's no prior relationship. So I think that is one of the most gratifying things is to find a woman in crisis and to, to provide her with hope that maybe she has been missing for a very long time. Yeah. We're talking today with Steve Carlin, the director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life, a biannual campaign of 40 days of prayer and fasting, community outreach, and peaceful vigil that takes place worldwide to bring an end to abortion. When we come back, we're going to be talking with him about what sets 40 Days for Life apart. How is it different than other pro-life organizations? We're also going to be giving away a book with some of the stories of success from 40 Days for Life. 
Stick around. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Glad you stuck through the break. Today, we're talking with Steve Carlin. He's the director of North American Outreach for the 40 Days for Life uh, campaigns that are all across the world, praying for an end to abortion. Now, just before the break, we were talking about the difference that 40 Days for Life has made. Over uh, 10,000 lives of children who were going to be aborted, saved. Uh, 118 people who who have left uh, the abortion industry. And then talking about the ability to extend hope. Uh, And I think that 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 is a key that so often gets missed. You know, the pro-life community is often accused of only caring about the baby and only caring about saving the baby, get the mother to have the baby and then leave her alone. And yet I haven't found that to be the case at all, uh, at least in the circles that I run in. And so something that I think sets 40 days for life apart is the care and concern for the person and not just uh, trying to prevent the event. Can you talk a little bit about how that plays out in a 40 Days for Life campaign? Well, I think it's really exciting when you see relationships that last. I can think of a particular situation where my 40 Days for Life campaign, the campaign that I led in Madison, Wisconsin, had the opportunity to uh, reach out to an abortion-bound couple, and uh, they decided to choose life. And uh, our campaign team actually threw a baby shower for this couple. And it was a wonderful occasion where people came together. There were presents filling that room. There was cake. And we had the opportunity to stay in touch with that couple for a while. Uh, This past January, I went with David B. Wright, our founder, to uh, an event called One Life Los Angeles, very similar to the March for Life or the West Coast Walk for Life that take place each January, except for this one was in Los Angeles. And David B. Wright spoke from the stage, but he brought up with him uh, a young woman and uh, her baby, Leah. And Leah is now like five, six years old, somewhere in that range. And so, you know, she's starting to go to school and she's doing all those cute things that kids do at that age. And right. it's really been a blessing to see her begin to grow up and to stay in touch with that family. And at that event, she wore a shirt that said, your prayers saved me. And so sometimes, you know, our, our opportunities to... Uh, stay in touch with the women that choose life, they're fleeting. They, they don't desire to stay in touch. They've got their families that they can go back to and they're, they're grateful in the moment, but you know, they, they want to kind of be private or anonymous, but in many cases, there's an opportunity for those relationships to continue and the support continues. And we see the same thing happening when we're able to direct those women to pregnancy centers, which have services and resources that extend long beyond birth and really care for the good of the person, not just for the particular desired outcome that we're looking for. So I love to see when we can have a a long-term lasting relationship with the women and the families that uh, are saved from abortion at that very last moment. Mm -hmm. You you know, one of the things that I have really appreciated 
about the 40 Days for Life uh, program is the Statement of Peace, which is this little piece of paper that says, uh, we're glad that you've come to volunteer. Uh, when you come to volunteer, here are some things to remember. And it talks about uh, not being confrontational. It, it talks about not really being there to protest. Uh, there's a time and a place for protesting, but really being there to pray. Uh, as a friend of mine says, we're not there uh, to, to give a message. We're there to make a difference. Uh, and so there, you're not carrying placards necessarily that, that have slogans on them. Uh, you might have some identifying placard, but nothing that that would be uh, what you would think of as a protest. And you're there in, in, in a prayerful and approachable attitude uh, that really kind of throws people for a loop because they're expecting protesters. And when they, when they roll up on a 40 Days for Life campaign, they don't find them. I think that in many ways is why we have seen so many abortion workers leave their jobs is because a lot of times we, as human beings, as fallen creatures, we love to stereotype each other. And pro-lifers are, as you've mentioned, unfairly sometimes stereotyped as being aggressive or hostile or confrontational or judgmental. And sometimes the folks that work in the abortion center want that caricature to be fulfilled. And when they instead find love, they are forced to really do some introspection and assess, gosh, why are there people kneeling in the hot sun or the freezing cold air uh, in front of my workplace? Why are there people crying in front of my workplace? Mm-hmm. And it's a, that, that peacefulness is a very powerful message to all who pass by, but particularly those who are going for abortions and those who are involved in selling and performing them. Yeah. You know, sitting out there for hours on end and watching people pull into the parking lot, and watching them go in and stay in there for hours, there is this this sense of righteous anger that comes up, and and you ask yourself, how can they not see? How can they not know? Uh, and you you direct that towards uh, both the person who's going in. How how do they not know? They don't have another choice. But you also direct it towards those people who are facilitating the abortion, and how could they do this to another human being? And and there's this anger that rises up that I think that if you don't maintain an attitude of prayer, it would be very easy to become that stereotype, to be uh, judgmental, to be a little bit snippy or harsh, or uh, to have this uh, overcast, clouded uh, countenance, when what we're called to do is to be the face of Christ, to go into the darkest places and to offer hope. And we can only do that through the graces uh, of God and through our continued connection with God in prayer. And I I think that that's something that makes 40 Days for Life so successful. Without a doubt. uh, Without prayer, there's uh, a great deal of difficulty overcoming the temptation to despair when we see some of the darkness that so permeates our society. A couple of summers ago, I went out and I was praying at our local Planned Parenthood, and there was a guy who started heckling me from a car in the parking lot. And uh, I'm not proud to admit this, but there's a time in my life where I probably would have responded in kind. I would have given him a response that was true, that was accurate, that was consistent with the teachings of our faith, but which would have lacked charity. And of course, St. Paul tells us that without love, without charity, were the resounding gong, but I would have been that resounding gong. Fortunately, I think I was at a point in my spiritual maturity where I was able to just sort of hear him out. I listened to him. I asked him a few questions. Before long, he poured out his life story. He told me why he was there. 
Uh, he ended up trying to call his friend who he had driven for the abortion multiple times. He offered to adopt the baby and parent that baby uh, and, and, you know, help raise that baby. Just tremendous. You know, the transformation in this man was was phenomenal. Then he got out of his vehicle and he was starting to sidewalk counsel. Basically, he was trying to counsel other clients right in the parking lot. The security guard didn't know what to do. He was a client, but yet he was trying to deter other clients. <laughs> it was fascinating. And unfortunately, his friend still had that abortion. But okay. I think what was so powerful was the interaction that I had with him. Perhaps it had been a long time since anyone was even willing to listen to this guy or to pay heed to his concerns. And had I you know, gone from the justice angle rather than the charity angle, we might very well have had a very different morning. But I know that he was touched and he knew that he was loved. And I think that is, in many cases is the, some of the greatest victories that we'll see when we pray out in front of an abortion center. Now, one of the things that, that you need and one of the things that your, uh, your campaign leaders across the world need are people who will come out and pray. So absolutely, tell us, how can we find a local campaign to see if there's someone nearby uh, that we can join that and join them in prayer? And then uh, what does it take? How, how often do we need to go out? What, what will it take for us to contribute to the end of abortion through prayer and the 40 Days for Life campaign? Sure. Well, the first thing I would encourage everybody listening to do is visit 40daysforlife.com. That's 40daysforlife.com. And sign up for our email list. And that's the email list where you'll really learn more about 40 Days and how you can get involved and participate in your local campaign. Our next internationally coordinated campaign begins on September 23rd, and it runs through November 1st. We right now are in the process of accepting applications from folks who want to lead a campaign. They apply, we approve their applications, and then we equip them with the tools and the resources that will help them lead an effective and impactful campaign. And so we're doing that right now. Once we've gotten through that application period, which ends the 30th of June, then we will put together the list and we'll have a map up on our website. You can find where is the closest campaign to you so that you can participate, whether it's in Tulsa or it's in Louisville or wherever you might be, you'll be able to access the closest by campaign. And all of our leaders need volunteers. That's one of the greatest challenges of leading a campaign. The uh, harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need folks who are willing to go out and pray in front of an abortion center. Maybe it's once a day, maybe it's once a week, maybe it's as you're able to, but we need folks to do that and our leaders do all around, and that's what has made this campaign so successful. So I would encourage anybody listening to uh, to get in touch with us, get on that email list, and learn how you can participate in the closest 40 Days for Life campaign to you. And if you are in an area that you've, you haven't seen a 40 Days for Life campaign previously, and you're not sure that your area has one, uh, well, one of the great things about 40 Days for Life is that everything is packaged in such a way that, yes, you can help organize a 40 Days for Life. Uh, you can get people in your area to come and pray either in front of an abortion center or in front of a Planned Parenthood or an organization that refers to abortion. Uh, you can make a difference uh, by calling other people to come together in prayer. And you can also sign up to do that on 40daysforlife.com, 40daysforlife.com. When we come back, we're going to be giving away the 40 Days for Life book, which is full of stories and testimonies of the amazing things that have occurred during a 40 Days for Life campaign. 
And we want you to be a part of this discussion. So hop on over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls and be a part of this conversation. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. We're about to give something away. We've been talking today with Steve Carlin, the director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life. He's talked to us a little bit about what sets them apart as, a, as an event, as an activity, uh, as a pro-life community. He's talked a little bit about where they came from, and now we're going to give away a book. It's a book written by the founders of 40 Days for Life, talking about some of the, the amazing stories that have come from the various campaigns around the country and perhaps even around the world. Uh, and so we want to give that to you. So I want you to get by your phone. Of course, you're going to call in to 918-928-KPIM. That's 918-928-5746. And you're going you're gonna to answer the following question. Go ahead, Steve. Well, you can find it from the 40 Days for Life website, but uh, the question is how many cities has 40 Days for Life appeared in since 2007? How many cities has 40 Days for Life appeared in since 2007? You can find that over on 40daysforlife.com. Type it furiously in, scroll down the page, see if you can find it. Give me a call, 918-928-KPIM. The first person who calls in with that, I will give you a copy of the 40 Days for Life book. It's a great read. You're, you're really going to want uh, to get a hold of that. Now, if you call in second or third, I can't give you the book, but I can tell you where to get the book. You can get the book at 40daysforlife.com forward slash book. That's 40daysforlife.com forward slash book, or you can always pick it up on Amazon. Uh, and whenever you purchase it, it helps support the fine organization that's making a difference all across the world. Steve, thank you for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so very much for having me. So 40 Days for Life starts September 23rd, goes through November 1st, but there's a lot of work to be done before 40 Days even starts. And your local leader is going to need your help, whether you live in my area and you want to give me a call, or whether you live in some of the other areas that this show has aired. Uh, you want to get a hold of your local leader and see how you can be of service. Maybe it's just standing in the back of your church uh, and signing people up. Maybe you can make phone calls to help gather leaders and local community leaders together uh, to be a part of this. Maybe you have some outlet with uh, local stations, local news stations, uh, newspapers, and your local leader is going to need your help to make 40 Days for Life as successful as possible. Then when September 23rd rolls around, then we're going to need people to pray. 24 hours a day, 40 days, at least two people at a time, requires 1,920 people to go out and pray. Uh, and that's if everyone goes out once. The fewer people that go out, the more each person needs to go out. Many hands make light work. And so we encourage you to be a part of the prayer and the fasting, but we also really uh, need your help, your consistency. So go to 40daysforlife.com. 
uh, somewhere around the middle of July and look and see if you can find a local campaign in your area, find out who's leading it, and see how you can be a part of such a great program. Well, we don't have a lot of time left together, but I want to go back to that very first segment, to that reading from the book of Philippians that uh, that St. Ambrose so beautifully unfolded for us. And I have a question. In light of our conversation with Steve Carlin, the question is this. Are you living in peace? You know, it can be so hard with external and internal pressures, uh, where, whether it be uh, the frustration of, of daily life or whether it be seeing truly the darkness of the world, it can, try, uh, it can try our patience. It can be difficult. It can rob us of our joy and of our peace. And so the question is, and the question is something I ask myself on a regular basis, uh, am I living in peace? Am I living at peace within my heart? Am I living at peace with my neighbor, with those around me? And in those times that I have to answer no, I run back to this scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, then the God of peace will be with you. That brief passage out of the book of Philippians chapter 4 serves as a recipe for peace, a prescription for peace when we feel the anxieties of life. Bookmark it and make sure that you visit it often. Remember, August 7th through 9th is the Midwest Catholic Family Conference. Kristen and I, my wife and I, we've gone out uh, several years, and we've had a booth there. We're going to have a booth there again this year, if all goes according to plan, and we hope to see you there. Uh, But it's not just us. If I'm not enough of a draw to bring you all the way out to Wichita, then uh, then maybe Matt Marr will be. Uh, Maybe, if not him, maybe Tim Staples or Tim Gray from the Augustine Institute, Tony, Tony Brandt, uh, Chris Stewart from Casting Nets, Simca Fisher, uh, and many, many more will be there speaking. And it's a, always a great program. Uh, we've enjoyed it. The kids have loved it. There's something for kids. There's something for youth. There's really something for everyone. Uh, so this is a, a conference. If you only make it to one, this is one I think that you'll want to be a part of. Uh, so you can go to catholicfamilyconference.org. And there you can find out more information about speakers, about the schedule, uh, and you can register there. So hope that you'll take the time to do that. And if you do, uh, make sure that you go through the exhibitor area, come to the outside the walls booth, and let me know you're a listener. Let me know what station you listen on and how far you had to travel to get to Wichita. Tune in next week as we talk with Deanna Johnson from Dodge City, Kansas, about the feminine genius of the Bride of Christ. It's going to be a great conversation. 
In the meantime, catch us on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls or just come to outsidethewalls.com. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.